This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Percent this year. Oh, Baron shoves it down on Carolina's head. What's up, podcast listeners? It's your boy Baron Davis, the newest investor in Blue Wire, ready to roll with you guys. Enjoy this podcast episode and so much more coming. Let's go, baby. What's up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. Uh, I am one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers, Ben Goats, joined on the line by my colleagues Dave Shane and Adam Hill. Before I bring them in, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We are presented by Favor. Drinkafavor.com. We've got a relatively packed show for you guys today. We are, of course, going to discuss the big reveal when it comes to the Golden Knights AHL team name and logo. There's, of course, a couple other hockey topics we want to get into, mainly uh, regarding the return to play stuff and what updates we kind of have there. Uh, Also want to quick remind you guys to check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Dave just had a really great story over the weekend on Golden Knights fan John Graff. Uh, I had a really big feature on Zach Whitecloud and kind of his background, his heritage, and how he got to the Golden Knights. So really encourage you guys to check those stories out. Later in the week, uh, our columnist Ed Graney is going to have a story heated after talking to coach Pete DeBoer, and I'm going to have some DeBoer stuff later in the week too, so make sure to check back for that. Uh, But before we get into, of course, hockey topics, we got to talk about what's going on in the country right now. I know there's a stick to sports crowd out there, but uh, I personally can't do that right now. As a lot of you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm from Minnesota. I lived in Minneapolis for four years, and I'm kind of just sick over what's happened over the past week, over what I saw happen, of course, on that horrendous video where we saw a police officer murder George Floyd, and it's caused me to do a lot of self-reflecting about my background, the privileges I've been given, and how I need to do a lot more listening and do a lot more understanding just in the world in general. And I hope it's given a lot of other people that opportunity to look in the mirror as well and try to be better moving forward, because I think that's what a lot of us uh, need to do right now. And um, obviously, I want to plug ReviewJournal.com. We've done a lot of coverage on all the protests happening locally and just kind of the outrage uh, nationally, including Adam, who was out there uh, last night in downtown Las Vegas covering the protests. So uh, it's been a lot to take in 
guys. That's kind of my piece to say on that. And I, I want to give you guys the, the floor if you have anything to add as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned I've, I've been down and um, been around uh, downtown and walked with protesters last night. And um, it's just, you're right. I mean, it, it, there's so much to think about. There's so much to uh, to learn uh, to try to, to try to understand further and to try to understand just the anger and the frustration that is going on. And I just feel a lot of, you know, what the message is has been corrupted. And I think that's really unfortunate because I, I do think it's a time that, you know, we can, we can try to further understand um, what, you know, a lot of people have gone through and a lot of frustration that people have experienced. And, and instead it's just turned into more and more anger and arguing and everybody feeling that, you know, that their political agenda needs to be furthered. It's, it's just really kind of crappy to, to try to, you know, put everything into perspective and, and try to figure it out. I, I don't even know. I, it's so hard to even, to even discuss and talk about because no matter what you say, people are going to get mad at what you're saying and they're not going to, you know, take it for what you're actually saying. They're going to try to read into whatever they want to say. And I, I think one of the issues that we've seen is people being kind of scared to, to address topics because they don't want to, you know, say the wrong thing and get attacked for like one wrong word here and there. And I, I thought really what Mark Davis said, the owner of the Raiders uh, here in Las Vegas um, was very, was very interesting. He just said, listen, I've, I've been wrong in the past. I was wrong about things when Colin Kaepernick was around. I was wrong about things that I've told my players. I've, I've not understood issues and I'm, you know, I need to listen. And, and I think that's a, a big thing that people do need to listen and, and it would go a long way instead of everybody just rushing to scream and, and yell about their opinion. Listening is, is so important and listening to the right people and listening to all different voices and all different, you know, th thoughts on things. And, and if this is a moment that that could happen, that would be amazing. I just, you know, I'm starting to lose faith in that by the day, to be honest. So it just, it's not, it's not a good time. And, uh, I, I wish that wasn't the case, but, it's kind of where we are right now. I, I saw this on Twitter, so I'll steal it because I thought it was pretty accurate that, I mean, we're in the middle of a social studies chapter, like, you know, and however many years this is going to be in books and and everything, the last few months and, and everything from the last week and all that. I mean, I think you guys are a little more comfortable injecting your opinion on this than I am, but I, I will say that Unfortunately, incidents like this have happened previous to George Floyd, and we haven't seen players around the NHL um, teams, even the NHL itself, the NHLPA, feel um, obligated to speak up. And, and we've seen almost every team, if not every team, um, the league, several players, you know, speak out on this on this issue. I just I think it it shows the enormity of it. It shows how important everything that that we're going through is right now. And you know, the the only thing I'll say, just you know, without injecting too much of myself into this, is is I I hope there's you know reform and and change going forward. 
Yeah, mentioning kind of some of the hockey players being involved. Uh, Blake Wheeler, I think especially, who's of course the Winnipeg Jets captain. He's a Minnesota native, played at the University of Minnesota. He had some really interesting thoughts, observations on a conference call uh, with reporters this morning. He's had a, a very insightful Twitter post before that I think speaks for a lot of Minnesotans on their experience, including myself. So I encourage, like I said, people to check all this stuff out, try to understand a different perspective. And like I said, try to just be better. Cause I know, like I said, I need to be better as well. So, um, having addressed that, we will, uh, flip over to kind of hockey news now. And it's obviously hard to transition from a topic as heavy and weighty as that. But, uh, I want to begin the hockey talk by addressing, uh, we haven't really heard much else on the return to play format that we all kind of went through last week. If you guys want to uh, check that out, if you still don't know what kind of the format the NHL is going with is uh, all the questions we had uh, from last week are still pretty much there. We don't know how long the uh, first two series are going to be beyond the play-in round. We don't know when phase two, which is when teams are allowed to return to their facilities and work out in small groups, when that's going to start still. So the actual kind of big Knights news last week, since there wasn't a lot of NHL news, was the big name and logo reveal for the AHL team. Uh, One definitely came in as expected. The other did not. Uh, The name is Silver Knights, which is, of course, the heavy, heavy, betting favorite to anyone that was paying attention. Uh, But the logo came in as a silver war horse, which I think was an interesting twist for all of us. So let's quick give a listen to owner Bill Foley describing the design process. Well, the whole whole thing about having the armored war horse as being part of the logo, I've always felt that would be what a great, uh, what a great combination of, having the knight and the war horse. And can you imagine if you were an archer or, uh, you know, basically a swordsman in the medieval times and the war horse and the knight is racing towards you. So we just felt like it was a, it was a really a terrifying thing for the, the opposition to see that knight and war horse. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily Favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. So there's Foley getting all medieval on everyone, describing the logo. Uh, Overall, guys, uh, what were your first impressions of the name-logo combination? Adam, I'll start with you. Uh, I think to nobody's surprise, I thought it was awful. I mean, listen, Silver Knights was going to be the name. We kind of... We kind of, we kind of knew that, um, you know, it was, as you said, a huge favorite, like 99% sure, uh, that was going to, that was what it was going to be all along. And I get it. Like, I, I, I wish that they wouldn't go in that direction, but I think that it was pretty clear they were going to, and, and I don't think it's a huge issue. I just think there's ways to be way more creative. I think the marketing of a minor league, of a minor league team in any sport, 
um, can be so creative, much more so than they can uh, at the major league level. Uh, so I just I wanted to see some more creative. But again, I get it. You want to tie that in with the you know the major league team, especially if you're you know in the same town. So it, it makes sense. I wasn't going to fight that too much. But man, the the logo is it's you know I don't remember who said it, and it was it was so like it just so hit me when when they said it. But it looks like a video game like create a team with like a generic logo that you start with and you're like, Oh yeah, this will be my team. I, I, I just, I thought it was, it was a very weird type of logo and it just didn't go like, it's not going to jump out at people. Like, I think there's so many chances for like a, a minor league logo to just really pop and like really get people interested. Even if they have no idea what the team is, you see minor league baseball hats and you're like, I don't even know what that team is, but I'm getting that. And I don't think anybody's going to do that with this logo. Um, and here's the other thing. If you put out a graphic, UNLV should have UNLV learned this, and they should have taken um, advice from UNLV on this. If you have to put out a graphic explaining every little detail of the logo, it's probably not a great logo. Wow. Okay, Adam is uh, coming out firing. Uh, Dave, uh, I guess before I interject, what what were your thoughts? So a friend of mine put this on Twitter and. I did think it was kind of funny because I'm a Star Wars fan, but he said it looked like General Grievous. So yep. I, that, that was kind of my first impression. I'll say this for the positive, though. I like any logo that has kind of like a hidden image in it. And I like the way they kind of tucked in the H for Henderson and kind of kind of tried to build around that and and kind of hide that in there. That That's cool. Um I like the colors, but I'm kind of with you, Adam, in terms of the name. And and Ben, I think you had pointed this out when you had a conversation. If they had taken the same Golden Knights logo and kind of adjusted it a little bit and then made it silver, that would have been a total cop-out. So at least the fact that they did something different and folks can buy their hats and buy the different jerseys and not look like they're just representing kind of a, a third or fourth Golden Knights jersey... You know, that's cool. I, I don't know. I, like, at first, I thought it was cool. At first, I really liked the logo. And the more and more I've looked at it, the more and more, I guess, I've kind of got lukewarm on it, I guess. I, I don't know. Is that seems to be what happens to people with logos nowadays, right? They either hate it right away, and then it grows on them, or they love it right away, and they're like, eh, after a while, eh, it's okay. I'll say that. So here's, here's a couple things on this. First of all, the Golden Knights logo, I thought, was objectively bad from the beginning, and it still is. But here's the thing. People love the team so much that they now love the logo. And I think like that's a, a big part of logos in sports. Like I feel like you feel about it the way that you feel about the team or how it makes you feel. And like the, the people are so in love with this team that they could have just like a like a, a melted ice cube, like puddle of water. And people are like, that's a really cool logo because they love the team so much. Uh, so if people, you know, fall in love with the Henderson and Silver Knights, which they obviously will because they're associated with the Golden Knights, they're going to like it. Uh, I will, the only thing I'll say, they better have a really, really cool mascot. They better, they better nail the mascot. That's, that's the more important thing. Wow. So I'm going to come in, I guess is like the more, positive of the three of us and maybe that's just because as dave kind of mentioned my expectations were pretty low entering the night like i think all of us expected it was going to be 
Henderson Silver Knights, and I was ready to, you know, relatively, I, I guess I should say roll my eyes at that. It's not that I hate the name. I think the name, you know, because of synergy and all that, like, I get it. It makes sense for a lot of reasons. It just doesn't obviously pop. It's not exciting. It's not going to get me or I don't think anyone that fired up about like, oh, wow, what a great choice. But then when the logo came in, like very different compared to kind of my expectations, I was like, oh, like I was very pleasantly surprised by the direction they went. As Dave mentioned, the fact that, you know, they actually seem to put a lot of thought and effort into the design. They had, of course, that cool video that, you know, I retweeted uh, last week and you can still find on their Twitter account about kind of the different iterations the design went through. Uh, so I'm, I guess, more on board uh, than the rest of you guys. I don't know whether that's just because, like I said, it exceeded my very low expectations. But I think it actually, you know, on a white or, as I'd say specifically a white jersey, I think it has a chance to actually, like, pop relatively well. I think it could look pretty cool on a hat. So I'm, I'm more on board than uh, the other two of you guys but i think that of leads me you, of course you are ben because you're young and happy and jovial like you're not a bitter crusty old guy like we are and just hate everything and miserable that's fair but you i feel like you're just gonna like it no matter what like you i feel like you just like anything like i said i was very ready to dislike it if they had kind of done the cop out which what i kind of expected is like you know a silver version of their old logo with maybe some minor alterations, the fact that they at least took it in kind of an unexpected direction, I was willing to give them points for. And I will now swerve into my next topic because I don't feel like I'm universally positive. There's things that, especially logos, that I will pan, including uh, the new UNLV logo, of course, when they unveiled, I thought was disastrous. The Aviators uh, logo, the Bug logo, because that's what it is, it's a bug guy, I think is awful, though I really like the LV logo. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm fairly critical of logos when I feel like it's taken, but, you know, Adam, I'll throw it to you then. So I'm assuming this uh, is near the bottom of your local area team logo power rankings? Well, I guess, fortunately, as you just mentioned, Ben, like they have the benefit of having some really bad logos in the Valley. I mean, like the Aviators one objectively bad, and as, and you're right though the LV one is good. The new UNLV logo is so bad. Um, I think it's it's down there in that range though. I, I think you know you've got things like and and here's the weird thing like you have the Raiders logo which is iconic. I don't know if it's necessarily great, but it has like so much power and carries so much weight in the sports world that it has to be kind of high. Uh, you know, I I think man, it's probably right in the middle of all of the different various Las Vegas logos. Like, I think the Aces one is probably the best. Um, I also think the Lights have a great one. And then, you know, there's a whole a whole battle in the middle of just uh, mediocrity. No, I think that's fair. I'd probably put, yeah, Lights and Aces, good job. The Aviators LV one, awesome. And then, yeah, I think just the Knights and... Silver Knights are now in that next tier for me. I like the Raiders logo and what it represents, but it's more classic. I actually really like probably the colors of their uniform better than I like their logo specifically, even though I recognize, obviously, the history that goes into it. 
And then after that, it's uh, Bug logo, UNLV, and actually, I really just don't get the Knights secondary logo. It's just not for me. Uh, but Dave, what what are, what are your thoughts on the local power rankings? Wait, are these are these the current ones? Because I've always been a big fan of the Alien from the fifty ones, <laughs> but I know that that obviously is is no longer in play. Um, but no, I really want to go back to the mascot with Adam because I want to know like, all right, Mister Mister Mascot guy, what, like, what do you want? You want like a dragon or something or? Or what, what do you what do you think? So, because I thought, I mean, it's totally corny, but I thought it would be, they would never do it. But if they had a Bigfoot, like some kind of Harry and the Hendersons play, I always thought that would be kind of funny. Wait, just because of Henderson? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's way too obscure of a tie. Like, what are you trying to go for here? It's not even medieval. It would never work, but. <laughs> it's insane. I don't, like, I'm. I'm not creative. I just judge. That's what I do. Like, I'd want other people to try to be creative, and then I get to judge them. But, uh, like, I, of course, I'm obsessed with gritty like everyone else. But, like, I think things that have nothing to do with anything could be great. Like, just throw something out there. Don't make it boring Gila Monster Chance, who still, by the way, Chance, his opinion of himself is so massive. Like, relax, Chance. Uh, I I I think, like... Any any kind of obscure, just weird uh, mascot would be cool with me. I just want to go like totally off the board. They should go back to what you guys were talking about earlier with like the melted ice or something, man. Melted yeah. ice cube. Steel, steel Cosmo, since you seem to like the alien, you know, 51 so much. Just have Cosmo. Who cares? Just throw it out there. I mean, now that Dave has brought up a dragon, I can't not see them having a dragon. I, dragon mascot or we... We, we, we throw hands is my current philosophy. Uh, other quick Silver Knights facts that uh, we should throw out there. Uh, Foley said in immediate availability after the big reveal, that there have been uh, 7,600 season ticket deposits already. He said tickets, you know, uh, for the average fan will start at $10. Hot dog will start at $4. Uh, I'm throwing this out to the public to make sure that they remember these figures and hold the Golden Knights to them. Uh, jerseys, for those interested, are ready. They're going to be unveiled in a few months. Uh, you can also get kind of swag that's already available basically wherever you buy your VGK stuff. Um, Foley also said Lifeguard Arena in Henderson, which is where the team will be headquartered, is going to open around September 15th. Final design presentations have happened uh, in terms of groups interested in designing the building. Uh, have happened for their Henderson Arena, where they will play, uh, is scheduled to be built on the site of the Henderson Pavilion. There is, uh, we should mention, a petition going around to try to stop the arena from being built if people hadn't heard. Uh, Local groups are angry that they thought the kind of stadium deal, which has the city of Henderson paying $40 million and the Knights paying $40 million to make this arena happen, have kind of skirted proper channels. Uh, It's costing too much during, of course, a global pandemic, and it's going to potentially cause traffic problems. Uh, Bill Foley did have a rebuttal to those concerns that the people, you know, panning around this petition have raised, and let's listen to that right now. Uh, They're all uh, committed to come in on budget and on time, and they're very cognizant of the traffic situation in terms of traffic flow, how people get to the games, how many parking spots are on the site. And, and this is really going to be not much different than what the pavilion was in Henderson. Um, 
and, and, and at night when the games are happening or there's a concert, it's going to be enclosed. So you won't have, there'll be very little noise pollution in terms of this, this site and this location. So that was Bill Foley trying to address some of the concerns of people in Henderson have raised about the team's potential new arena. Uh, with all that information now kind of downloaded, guys, about the Silver Knights and where things stand for them as an organization right now, how are we feeling about kind of their progress as a whole? Dave, you've been kind of following the story since things really picked up in earnest in February. What do you think of their progress so far? I mean, I just think it's interesting how the last few months have kind of altered some of, you know, some of the things that they probably would have liked to do. And you look at development and, you know, guys who are going to be projected to be on the team and, and play the first year for the Silver Knights and things like that. And, you know, everything is kind of thrown into into a little bit of of I don't want to say chaos, maybe, but for lack of a better word, just just on the on like that side of it, you know, when free agency gets pushed back and and things like that. Obviously, there's there's bigger things at issue and I, I don't want to minimize everything like that but as far as the the off-ice stuff i mean it seems like everything's on track they when i talked to kelly mccrimmon about this a couple months ago and and you talk to folks since and and it just seems like they have kind of a plan step by step everything mapped out you know they have the arena stuff they have the logo and and this and and they're gonna take kind of their next steps going forward i mean at least for us you know i'm more interested in kind of the on-ice things like you know, is Jack Dugan going to play for him? Um, you know, Lucas Alvinus, who were some of the guys that could possibly get called up from, from I guess, what would have been the Chicago Wolves um, for the expanded roster uh, for the postseason. You know, all, all, all those types of things. But, you know, going forward, the, the infrastructure and all that, you see, you know, uh, job postings and things on, on various sites and all that. So, so clearly they're going forward with their plan and, and I'm sure uh, when the AHL season is finalized for 2021, they'll be ready to go. Yeah, Adam, what are you thinking about the the team's progress at this point? Yeah, I was I was most intrigued by the battle, and I guess battle is probably a strong word. Uh, it was more the process of just getting you know the, the stadium deal done and and how it went down and how uh, arena deal I should say uh, getting it done and how you know people reacted to it and. There, there was definitely a vocal opposition, but I don't think like a, a mass opposition uh, to what was going on. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by, you know, how that all comes along, and and then obviously how the uh, uh, the community embraces them when they're not, you know, going to be playing there. And I mean, the community of Henderson uh, not going to be quite playing there. They're going to have to go, you know, across town to watch them play for a while, and then and then settle into uh, their new home and become the actual Henderson Silver Knights. Like all that is going to be uh, very intriguing, and then just how how the Golden Knights are able to use uh, having a team so close and having their AHL affiliate so close. We know they shuffled guys back and forth uh, at a crazy pace when they were all the way across the country. Now they only have to go across the Valley. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how this team is, is put to use by the Knights. No, totally. And it sounds like they're very excited about, you know, the possibility of having that team close of making just a lot of things logistically and administratively easier so we'll see how things continue to move forward with the silver knights organization uh, let's quick 
hit some other pieces of Nate's news. Yesterday, uh, Monday, the team signed prospect Connor Corcoran to an entry-level deal, which was pretty much expected because they were uh, going to lose his rights if they didn't sign him by 2 p.m. Pacific time on Monday. Corcoran is a 19-year-old right-shot defenseman. He scored 54 points in 62 games for Windsor of the Ontario Hockey League. Last year, he was a fifth-round pick in 2018. Uh, he has one year of junior eligibility left, but he's also old and experienced enough where he could be a Silver Knight next year. So that's something to keep in mind. He probably ranks, you know, bottom end, top 10, early, I guess, 10s, you know, somewhere in that probably 8 to 12-ish range of the Knights prospect rankings, I would say. So this was pretty much expected, right, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at it in terms of Xavier Bouchard is also a right shot defenseman. He was taken in the same draft a year later. If you're going to kind of watch them for two years and and maybe you, let's just say hypothetically, you got one contract between the two of them and, and who's going to kind of win out for it. I mean, I think Connor Corcoran kind of clearly developed more this year. Like you mentioned, the 54 points in 62 games, he had 19 goals. I think that was fourth among defensemen in the OHL. So he took a big step forward and really kind of earned that entry-level contract where Xavier Bouchard and then also a goaltender Jordan Coy, uh, when neither of them were signed, they'll go back into the 2020 draft. And if neither of them are taken at that point, then they become unrestricted free agents and can sign with anybody. So I think it's just a matter of development. You know, that's kind of how it works. You got two years to sign them. You can, you know, look at some of these guys and see how see how they do, see see how they develop. And, you know, maybe in Koi's case, a guy like Isaiah Seville and Yuri Patera, uh, goaltenders in their system who we've talked about, maybe were uh, higher in the organizational depth chart at this point and, and developed further. And Golden Knights made a decision, uh, you know, accordingly. Yeah, so the other uh, kind of piece of news that we'll quick talk about is the door hasn't totally slammed shut yet for Jack Dugan to play with the Knights this season. We talked about it last week, but one of the, I think, more questionable aspects of the NHL's return to play rules is guys that are on reserves list, kind of like Nikita Gusev was last season, are not eligible to sign their entry-level deals, despite the fact that they were allowed to do so in previous years. So last year, Gusev, who the Knights you know, had owned his rights because they uh, had traded for them at the expansion draft, from the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had drafted him a number of years ago. Um, so normally those guys that teams own their rights to, you know, kind of heading into the season, are eligible to sign their entry-level deals and join their NHL teams for the playoffs whenever kind of their current situation ends. So it's usually international players and then college players whose collegiate seasons have ended. We saw that with Kale McCarr last year, who joined the Colorado Avalanche for the playoffs. Uh, yet this year, because of all kind of the return to play craziness that's going on, Deputy, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly actually called these guys "quote unquote" ringers, despite the fact that they have been you know legal for years. Um, so it sounds like the NHLPA is going to push back on that rule, right, Dave? Yeah, and actually they did to the effect that the NHL and the NHLPA agreed to move it. Originally, the deadline would have been June first. So it would have been yesterday as we're recording this on Tuesday. And both sides agreed to move that deadline to July 1st, which is why it now kind of opens up maybe a crack in the window, a little opening in the door 
uh, for Jack Dugan to play that the NHLPA has obviously uh, kind of put its foot down on the issue a little bit and said, well, why are these guys ineligible? That is a change according to the CBA. They would normally be eligible. So that's something that we, I guess, as the NHLPA is saying to the NHL that we need to talk about. Uh, we we talked about this before and, and last week, and you know I'm not saying this is going to be, you know, the issue that ends things, but there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be worked out, and lots of details and, and fine print that still needs to get written. And these are the types of issues that kind of have to get handled with all of this. What's interesting to me, I guess, in this regard is. When Jack Dugan agreed to turn pro and join the Golden Knights organization and not sign a, a pro contract, that would, there was like potential that maybe there's some regular season games that are played and he can burn that first year and do all the kinds of things that he would normally do. Well, right now we know the format is going to be a 24-team postseason. And the regular season stuff is, is not going to be part of the equation. So if they're talking about, say, a 28-man roster or like a 30-man roster, there's going to be limited spots for this. And are the Golden Knights really going to be able to have Jack Dugan on that roster just to burn you know, his first year of his entry-level contract? Do they think highly enough of him that they would put him on the additional squad with, say, you know, Brandon Peary and you know, maybe guys from, you know, this year's Chicago Wolves team, things like that. That's kind of the interesting question to me now. How does he burn his first year? And and does all, how does that all fit in with what's going to be the 2014 format? Yeah, that'll certainly a question that we'll probably be asking ourselves for a while. As we kind of said last week, ultimately is Jack Dugan probably going to play a big role as the Knights return and try to chase the Stanley Cup? Likely not, but this is kind of an NHL-wide issue, and there's guys like uh, Kapril Kaprasov, who's the Minnesota Wild's number one prospect, that it kind of affects their teams more drastically. So you can see why the NHL PA is going to fight for that. Uh, well, that's all the news we have to talk about on the Golden Edge podcast this week. A big thanks to our sponsor, SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casino. Thanks to our presenter, Favor, drinkafavor.com. A reminder to check out all our coverage at reviewjournal.com. As I mentioned, uh, Dave and myself have kind of big features that we've done recently up there. We're going to have stuff from conversations with Pete DeBoer also up this week. And of course, We've got a lot of news coverage about everything that's happening in our community and worldwide right now. I uh, would like to just remind everyone to take care of themselves, to listen and try to, you know, look in the mirror and think about how they can be better and how they can try to affect positive change in the world we're all living in. And that's something I'm certainly weighing with myself right now, too. That has been this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.